I thank you all for who you are. I thank you for the depth that you walk in. I thank you all because you're willing to hear what you've never heard before. I thank you all because you're willing to see the things that you have never seen before. And you know and you understand that there's a depth, there's a wisdom, there's a fullness in the Father that we will never obtain. Now, but the fact that you are willing to try to obtain all that the Father has makes you a warrior. It makes you brave. It makes you courageous because the things of the Father are not always pleasant. They, they are not always without fear. And, you know, and sometimes when you start to endeavor into the unknown, you know, that, that shakes you up, man. That shakes you up. And then not only does the, the darkness shake you up, but the glory will mess you up too. So it's like you, you never really get beyond the fear, but as long as you walk in that tenacity, into that courageousness, if you walk into that faith, fear never hinders you. It never stops you from becoming or seeking the things of the Father that he desires for you to find. See, just because it's scary don't mean he don't want you to find it. Just because it's dark don't mean that he don't want you to search it out. You understand? He hides those things because he wants you to search it out. And if you stop searching because you're afraid or because you can't see, because you don't understand, guess what? You won't find it. You'll never get there. And I don't want to call you a failure because you're not a failure, but you just have to continue to search. You have to continue to move forward and the things that the Father has for you. Okay? Amen. So let's, let's talk about what the Father has for us today. And um, if I had to put a title on it, and I did, <laughs> I would call it Preparing for Your Mountain. Preparing for Your Mountain. And I chose that one because we've been talking about the mountain. We've been talking about the valley. You know, we talked about the desert place. And, um, and even though we've talked about several other things outside of the mountain, you know, the mountain is where I am. You know, I don't, and I don't know where you are. You might be in the desert. You might be in both places. You might be in the valley. But for me, the mountain was significant to me, and it caused me to dwell there. Because I realized that there, and there's always a preparation for the mountain. And sometimes if you don't make the right preparation, you won't climb your mountain. Not only that, if you don't know what's your mountain, if you don't know your mountain, you can't prepare to climb that mountain. And so, and the thing that the Father's been dealing with me about is truly identifying my mountain. So if you truly identify your mountain, then you are able to prepare for your mountain. Okay? And so it's hard to, it's hard to go through, it's hard when we go through life 
thinking that every trial and every tribulation that we come in contact with is our mountain. Not so. Trials and tribulations are sometimes that's all they are. Just forms of disobedience. Y'all excuse me. And I was feeling kind of lost because I didn't pull my notes out of my pocket. (laughs) But trials and tribulations are just that. There are trials and there are tribulations and there are burdens that we go through not to break us, but to make us, to cause us to be strong. So if we don't know, in other words, if we have not identified our mountain and know what our mountain is, then we would think every hill we climb is a mountain. Every valley that we go through, oh, this is my mountain. No. But these are things that are preparing us for our mountain. These are things that are come to strengthen us that when we get to the base of our mountains, then we are prepared to climb our mountain. See, if you go through every trial, if you go through them properly, you're going to gain something. Whether it's strength, whether it's wisdom, it may be patience, it may be understanding, it may be kindness, it may be meekness, it may be a little bit more tenderness, it may toughen you up. But every trial is designed to cause you to gain something. And that's not a single thing that my trial brings to me that I do not need at some point in my um, ascension on the mountain. All right? So one of the things I want you to do for me is go with me to Zechariah. Zechariah 4, and we're going to read together verses 1 through 14. And we may not read them all at once, but I'm going to read a portion to you, and then I will expound on it in that way because there's some things I want you to understand. Now, one thing about Zechariah that, as I read, that seemed to jump out to me that was a bit unusual. Maybe um, you may think differently, but Zechariah had a way. When I read that, I realized that, man, that thing got so spiritually deep. But all of a sudden, it came back and related that spiritual deepness to where I am. It didn't just stay deep. It just didn't stay, oh, man, the seven of this and four of this. and Oh, and left me to wonder, you know, oh, I got to go look that up. What the four stand for? What the seven stand for? I didn't have to do that. But because when he talked about the seven eyes or the seven candlesticks, when he talked about the four horsemen and all those things, guess what? Boom, he brought it back to me. He said, this is what that's for. And, you know, and this is how these things matter. And so, and I want to take my time with you a little bit, and I want you to help, help you to understand what's going on behind the scenes. Sometimes we get the big picture. And, uh, and one, of the, uh, one of the council's members today, in the, this morning, talked about some things that goes on behind the scenes. Say that was... That was it could be a mountain. I guess we could have many mountains, you know, but there's one mountain that brings you to a place. So maybe this is a trial. I, I wouldn't call it a mountain. Maybe it's just a, a big hill. <laughs> but they said they had to take a swing. And they had to take a swing, even though they weren't totally prepared for it. 
And I think that's such an awesome thing because how many times we don't do something because we feel like I ain't ready yet. I ain't ready yet. I ain't got this yet. I got to get this. I got to save for this. And, you know, I got to get this good. My credit score too low. You know, and all these things. You know, I got to get the right people joined to me first. You know what I mean? And so we, we stand there and we are looking at our mountain from a distance and saying, ooh, that's a big mountain. So I got to get this. I got to get that. I got to get that. And we stand there gazing at our mountain. And we never take the first step toward our mountain because in ourselves we're not ready. And that might be true. You may not be ready. But it ain't about you. <laughs> right? So they took the first swing. Boom. Bust something open. Pull some stuff down. And guess what? They had to leave it there for a minute. But what I understand, there were some things that you never see that had to be changed. I couldn't bring this newness that I desired or this thing that I saw, this, this big mountain. I couldn't bring this mountain into this small place. There were some things I had to move in the range. I had to get ready. There's some piping I had to do. Because this new, this new beautiful sink, man, ain't, ain't, ain't going to fit where my old sink fit. You know, the tiling that's there don't match the new tiling that I'm going to bring. Even the floor tiling had to change. I had to mess some stuff up to make room for the mountain that was coming. And see, and that's what we have to understand. That's the thing that we have to get. You will never be ready to receive your mountain until you mess some stuff up. If you don't mess it up, it'll never be right. As long as you look at it and think, oh, that's pretty, that can stay. Oh, I like that. Don't get rid of that. There will never be enough room for the things that the Father has for you, for that mountain that he has shown you, for that mountain you gaze on. Oh, it looks this big. Hundreds of miles away. Ooh, but when you get up on it, you realize I can't even see the mountain because it's so big. But if I don't begin to move toward my mountain, I will never know how big it is. I will never know the vastness of it. And I will never be prepared for it. Because in that mountain, coming to that mountain, there's going to be some valleys. There's going to be some lows. There's going to be some deserts. There's going to be some wilderness. There's going to be some things that I'm going to have to walk through to get to my mountain. And in my walking toward my mountain, it's going to cause me to become ready for it. If I listen, if I learn, if I dare to hear what I've never heard before, if I dare to see in my valley what I've never seen before, if I dare to walk through my valley and discover the things that are hidden from me, I'd never be able to scale my mountain. But they made preparations and and they've been doing things and getting ready for things. So let's read. I don't talk too much. Zechariah, can you put that up for me? Because I don't have my glasses. And I need your big words. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Zechariah 4. Starting at verse 1. And it says, The angel of the Lord who talked with me came to me again and woke me. Like a man who was awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So this is the angel of the Lord talking to Zechariah. All right? And you know, I found out something interesting, and maybe you already knew it, 
But this is the same Zechariah that was the father of John the Baptist. How many knew that? Y'all knew that? Nobody? See? All right. I, was, I, felt, I was like, dang, I ain't know that. But this is the same Zechariah that was the father of John the Baptist. But anyway, so this is Zechariah. He's been giving, he's been shown a vision and a message to be given to Zerubbabel. I get that? Yeah. Ha <laughs> ha, yeah. Zerubbabel, who is the governor of this town. And so Zerubbabel was given a mission to do what? To rebuild the temple. That was the mountain that the father had placed in front of Zerubbabel. You need to build, you need to rebuild the temple. Okay? And we'll talk about that more, but, but this is the message that the father first gave to Zechariah to relate to Zerubbabel. All right. And he said, what do you see? I said, I see and behold a lampstand, a lampstand all of gold with a bowl on top of it, seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps and and they are on top of it. Next verse. And there are two olive trees by it. And one on the right of the bowl and one on his left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? So let me help you. Because when I first read that, I had to get a picture of what was, what was happening. But it's amazing what was going on. And I want you to know that this is the backstory. This, the stuff we're talking about right now, it's the stuff behind the walls that we never get to see. It's the plumbing that makes the sink work and all the fixings in the bathroom so you can take a wonderful shower. Okay? So, <laughs> so this is what happened. This is what um, Zechariah seen. So he saw a lampstand that was all gold, right? And on top of that lampstand, there was a bowl. All right? And I want you to know that bowl was more of a reservoir. And from that bowl, there came seven other little stands. So it, it, I, I imagine, Jenny, that it would look like the, um, the whatchamacallit that you show. Huh? The menorah, right? Thank you. <laughs> I imagine it would look similar to that because it has seven stands coming from it. And on top of each one, it has a lip. And so the, where I would imagine there would be like a flame sitting there, okay? And we're going to find out that from those candlesticks, that the seven candlesticks that went there, there was uh, seven uh, pipes that ran from each one that went into the reservoir, that bowl that was on top of this golden candlestick, right? And on each side of the candlestick, to the left and to the right were olive trees, Okay? I like that so far. Next verse. And there are two olive trees by it, and one on the right of the bowl and one on, the, uh, on its left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? I said, no, my Lord. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. 
So here's the backstory. Back to the backstory. Let me get to it a little bit more because that's going to make this verse make sense to you. So you got the candlestick with the seven. You got the candlestick with the bowl, the seven candlesticks on top with the seven pipes that's coming from the candlestick to the bowl. And the bowl is full of oil, right? The purest oil. And from the two trees that sits on the left and the right, okay, there are branches, and we, we may talk about this a little later, but there are branches that reach out from the olive tree, olive trees that supplies an endless supply of oil to the reservoir that feeds the seven lamps. And on top of every seven lamp, there's a fire burning. All right? And it says that the fire or the 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 what I would consider to be the flame on top of it are the eyes of the Lord. Seeing every part. Nothing goes unseen by the eyes of the Lord. And the beautiful thing about it is now you have to notice they are not just branches, but they are trees that are supplying the lamp that's burning. So that means that it's not just a temporary supply, but there's an endless supply of oil being added to the lamps so that they may forever burn. There's a resource that has been added to the lamps that they should be ever burned with the eyes of the Lord so that he sees everything. So nothing you do, nothing that comes goes unnoticed. All right, that's the backstory. That's what the part that we don't always see or understand that's happening with us, okay? And it brings us to the verse that we're at. And it says, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. All right, let me go also. I want to do one other thing, read a couple of more scriptures to you. All right, Matthew 11, 28 and 30. We got that one? Thank you. And um, let me read it first because I think I'm going to probably mess up some things that you all have been thinking about when you read this. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. Learn from me, excuse me. For I am gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. That's important. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He would not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide you a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So what are you saying? Probably put that together. I don't know if I gave him the scripture that has for my yoke. Did I give you that when the yoke is easy and my burdens are light? I did. First of all, Let's understand what the yoke is, okay? And I know as a young saint, as a young man in Christ, I used to think, man, why I got to go through this? 
I am doing all I know to do to learn of the Father and take upon me his yoke. You know, give him my burdens, man. This 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 way too much for me. I'm going to give him what I got, and I'm going to take what he has. I'm going to take the yoke that he has for me. So here's the thing that I've learned. Christ's yoke may be easy, and it may be light, but it does not excuse you from the work. <laughs> Many times we want to give God, we want to give Christ all our burdens. Oh, Lord, take that from me. I don't want to deal with that. You take that. And think that we walk away scot-free. Does not happen. Christ's yoke and Christ's burdens may be light, but they do not excuse you from the work. Matter of fact, when you understand what a yoke is, it causes the workload to be more manageable. <laughs> it does not eliminate the work. It just causes it to be more manageable. Now, here's the beautiful thing about that. A yoke is created to cause two oxen to work together to pull a load to, so that the work is not all on one ox. But when you yoke ox, that's why, the, oh, that's beautiful. That's why the Bible say you should not be unequally yoked. Because if you get the wrong, wrong ox beside you, you're just working harder. Really. <laughs> you better off working by yourself. Because now you're pulling your load and you're pulling them along with you. So don't be unequally yoked. But when, you, when you're yoked together, it causes the load or the thing that you have to face to be more manageable. It makes that same load easier. You know, if you ever used a dolly, a hand dolly, and you had to carry a heavy box, it's one thing to reach down there, pick them boxes up like this, and carry them up the flight of stairs or wherever you got to take them to. But it's another thing when you tilt that box over, kick that dolly under there, lean that box back on the wheels. Same weight. Same load. But guess what? You got one hand. Doing what you got to do, whereas you had it like this before, you're like, all right, y'all move out the way, move out the way. Same amount of weight, same thing. But you yoked it differently with the hand truck. And now all of a sudden, you lean it back into you, and you can just roll it to where you need to go. So the yoke does not excuse you from the work. The yoke just causes the work to be made more manageable. And the awesome news about it, he is... The other oxen. So you don't have to worry about being equally yoked. When you, when, you, when you learn of me, he said learn from me. So in other words, if he's learning from you, then that means he's walking with you and he's teaching you. Again, you know, what makes more sense when we talk about he's not carrying you. But he's yoked with you. And you're walking together. And he said, learn from me because, see, if you get an old, uh, uh, mature ox, I ain't going to say old. (laughs) But if you get a mature ox who knows how to plow the field, and you put him with a young ox who don't quite know, that yoke would cause that young ox 
to learn from the more mature ox on how to apply that field. So when he gets to going that way, that older ox, no, come on back. We got to keep it straight, keep it straight. You know, keep it straight, keep it straight. That's what he does. That's what the yoke does. And every time you feel that one ox pulling away, all of a sudden that loads get heavier. Say, no, no, come on back over here. Now let's do this together. And that's what the yoke does. It does not excuse you from the work. It just makes the work more manageable. Okay? And so that's what the yoke is. Um, let's see. And so when we think about it, you know, we have to stop. We have to change our perspective in saying, Lord, take this away from me. Lord, remove this away from me. Because it ain't going anywhere. The more you pray... Lord, take it away from me, the more it's going to remain. But the moment I change my mindset in the sense of, Father, yoke me. Yoke me. Yoke me to you. Yoke me to your will. Yoke me to your way that I may endure this labor that's in front of me. Because you got to do it. It's yours to do. It ain't, don't belong to anyone else. So you can't give it to Christ. It don't belong to Christ. It belongs to you. Your yoke, your burden is your burden. It don't belong to him. Even though we say cast it, so what he's going to do, when you cast your cares upon him, you know what he's going to do? He's going to situate them. And he's going to yoke us. And then they say, now this is how we pull it. Because sometimes even if you load the wagon wrong, it's harder, right? I'm telling you, it's harder when you load a wagon room. You got a wagon, two wheels, and you take all that weight and you put it toward the front. Now it's pulling down on you and you're trying to pull. Or you're taking it and you pull it toward the rear, and now you got all, you're all up high and you're tiptoeing trying to pull that wagon. But if you manage that wagon and put it right on the wheels, and so that it almost balances itself out. And now when you yoke yourself to it, see, you ain't wasting energy because you got to stand up with it. You're not wasting energy because you're trying to pull it down. All you got to do is yoke up and walk. It's better. So that's what the father does. He don't take it away from you. He, yoke, he sets that wagon right for you so that you can pull your burden and you can be all right. Okay? So the yoke or your burdens are not taken away from you, but they are made easier. They're made more manageable. You still got to carry them 200 pounds. But guess what? You're going, to put a, you're going to put a dolly on it instead of trying to carry them box by box or carrying them all in one load. That's what the yoke does for you. All right? And so the beautiful thing about it, he said, he told Zechariah, say, Zechariah, you let Zerubbabel know that this mountain that I place in front of him, it won't be by might and it won't be by power but it'll be by my spirit. And that's what the lamp represented in this. That's what the two olive trees with the branches over the, um, over the, 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 the bowl supplying it with oil represented. An endless supply of God's spirit. You know, you take, any, you take any truck that you know. You know, some people in here might say, I'm a Ford man. Some say, I'm, 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 I'd rather push a Ford than drive a Chevy. Well, you push that for I'm going to get in the seven and drive and roll away. But, you know, you know, you got those people who believe that strongly. And my, 
My father-in-law, he is like that. He, he loves the Ford, boy. Don't pull up in nothing else. You heard his feeling if you drive anything else besides a Ford. And, but there's a man, there are men that are, are rams. I love the rams. See, I'm a Dodge Ram man. I love that ram. But let me tell you something. If you take that best Ford, you take the best Dodge Ram, and you don't put in the oil in it, they're useless. You can't do anything with them. Because eventually that engine is going to give. It's going to so much friction to heat, it's going to happen, you're just going to burn out. And that's what's happening to us. Many times we, we, we think, we, man, I'm a Ford, I'm a Dodge, man. Nothing can stop me. I'm ready. I'm zealous. I just heard the word, and I'm going to go do it. But you're doing it without the Spirit as your resource. And so, and you're wondering, why am I getting out of Lord? You told me to do this. Why am I so burned out? Why is this thing got me sick? Why is this thing got me so beat up, so burned out? Where's your oil? Where's your oil? By my spirit. And so understand that the Father, um, the oil supplies us and causes us to be able to move and to be free and to, and to uh, endure whenever times get hard, whenever times um, t- tend to um, burden us. But watch this. Okay, let me see. I'm trying to follow my notes here, and I'm not very good at that. But, but I want to make sure I get you what the Father told me to get you by my spirit. And so the Father addresses the great mountain as well. And here's the part that I love. Here's another thing that we're going to address that I love. He addresses the great mountain. And he said, you know, you let Zerubbabel know that this mountain is going to be made like a plane. It's going to be flattened. And so I love this. I love the way the song was arranged today. Oh, mountain rise up. Oh, valley be made low. And because so many times, again, we take the word, we believe the word, and the word says to us, if I have faith the size of a mustard seed, I could speak to my mountain and it would cast itself into the sea. Now, I'm not one to argue the word because that's what the word says. But here's what I want to say concerning that. Your purpose and the thing that you were, that this time was designed for you. Okay? So if I have a purpose and I chose this moment because, you know, it, it, we, we often think that the Father just puts us in places. But I just can't help but to believe that Christ was my good and perfect servant. So, I mean, example. And so when there was something that needed to be done that no man could really choose to do, he said, I'll go. I can do that, Father. And I have to believe that I'm like him in that way, that there was a time... That was a desire that the father had in his heart. And I said, you know what? Archer Phillips can do that. Archer Phillips Jr. can do that. Design me a body. And I'll go, Father. I'll do that for you. I'll accomplish the things that you set before me. And I'll do what makes you, makes your kingdom glorious. Send me and I'll go. 
And so when 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 so now we're here and we somehow forgotten the fact that I said I go. And the burdens come. And then all of a sudden we want to say, move that mountain. Can't do it. It, I don't want to say it can't do it because I'm not here to argue that point or to change that point. What I'm saying is you said you would. You said that you would endure whatever trial and tribulation come my way. So if I said that I would do it, why would I change the things that have been set before me? My faith is not to change my mountain. My faith is not there to cause my mountain to be cast into the sea. Because if every time I came to a trial and tribulation and I had faith that just cast everything into the sea, what have I accomplished? What strength have you gained? What knowledge, peace, and understanding have you gained if every time you had a problem, you just spoke to that problem and it cast itself into the sea? What have you become? What are you? You are not the person he designed you to be. You have not gotten the thing that he intended for you to get. Is it possible that faith can speak to a mountain and move that thing and cast it into the sea? Yes. But is it possible that you lose out on what the Father had for you going up and over that mountain? Yes. So I'm not going to speak to my mountain anymore. I'm going to change my perspective. I'm not going to speak to my mountain and tell my mountain to move. But I'm going to speak to myself. I'm going to say, Father, cause me to see what I've never seen before. Cause me to hear the things that I've never heard before. Cause me to walk in the depth that I've never walked in before. So that I can get everything that this mountain has for me. Because I said I would go. Because I said this is for me. This is my time. This time was created for me. And I'm going to walk in and I'm going to live it up, Father, and I'm going to bring you glory in every possible way. So I'm not going to throw my mountain in the sea. But I'm going to use my mountain to become everything that the Father has designed for me to be. Every single thing that the Father has designed for me to be. So stop. Stop. Uh, the word I use was griping. Stop griping so much. Every time you gripe, you just make it worse. Really, every time you complain, you make it worse. We know you don't like it. You know? It would be unhuman for you to be in a situation, to be in the fire, and like it. Oh, I like this fire. No. It's not human. But I'm not going to add to the fire by griping in the fire. If I'm on fire, I'm not going to say, ooh, I'm on fire. Girl, look at that burning me right there. Ooh, that's burning. That's worse. But be still and allow the fire to do what it has to do. Change, elevate your mind through prayer. 
through praise. Yes, I'm in the fire, but you know what? Ooh, I'm going to praise you while I'm in the fire, Father. Because if I praise you while I'm in the fire, guess what? Ooh, something supernatural happens that causes me to be above the fire of my body in the fire. Yeah, my body in the fire. But man, that's something supernatural happened to me in my mind and my spirit that causes me to be greater than this body. And so while my body is burning and all those things are being burned out of me, guess what? I'm going to praise them. I'm going to elevate myself so that when I come out of it, I'm not staying with gripe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this holiday, I'm sure... We made cakes. We made cakes and we made pies. And now uh, one of the things when I was a kid, my mother would make my mother would make oh awesome cakes. But whenever she would make a cake and put it in the oven, she would put us on lockdown. Okay? Because, you know, we live when I was young, we lived in a mobile home. And then whenever you got to walking and moving and running and playing, you started shaking the house. All right? And that's the last thing my mama wanted you to do. Two things you could not do. Open the oven or move. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. My mama would tell us, before she put that cake in the oven, she said, now look here, son. If you got to use the bathroom, because I had to leave, the, um, I guess, the sitting room where the television was, walk through the kitchen to get to the bathroom. So she's like, you better go to the bathroom right now. All y'all go to the bathroom. You're going to go outside and play. You go outside and play. Don't you come back in this house. Whatever you're going to do, you better make your mind up and that you better do. Until I say you can do differently. And every now and then, in spite of how little we moved, <laughs> nobody opened the oven. But it, maybe she opened the oven or something. I don't know. But you pull that cake out and it fell. It fell. Uh, she'd be, oh man, this cake fell anyway. And she had to start over because the cake fell. You know, and I don't know if you know what that means, but that means, you know, there's a doughy part to it. And uh, I used to get mad because she would throw the cake away. I was like, hey, I eat that. <laughs> I eat the part that's good. She said, you can't eat this. I eat that part right there, mama, that's good. And, uh, but if you're in the fire and you're griping, it's like running through the house. It's like opening the oven door because when the father reaches in and pull you out of the fire, he's going to see gripe running down you. He's going to see gripe done stained you. And guess what he's going to, he ain't going to wipe you off. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to throw you back in the fire. And you're going to have to endure the fire again until all that gripe is burned out of you. You're either going to learn to stop griping and start praising or you're going to stay in the fire. Your mountain ain't going to leave you. It ain't going nowhere. I don't care how many times you speak to it. Yes, sir. I don't care how many times you speak to it. And I hate to call it that, but... A lot of times when you're speaking to your mountain, you're just griping in a holy way. Uh -oh. oh, in the name of Jesus. Get out from, be from before me and cast yourself into the sea. You're just griping. You're just griping in a holy way. Because if I learn to praise him, 
for this mountain that is before me. Then guess what? Along the way, when that mountain was this small, okay, if I learned to walk in the purpose and in the calling that he has caused me to walk in, every valley, every desert, every wilderness, everything that I endure, when I get to the base of my mountain, instead of being, oh, my God, I'm going to be like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, it's time to climb. Yeah. It's time to climb. Why? Because I've been prepared yeah. to climb a mountain. Yeah. I don't have great stripes or down, running down me, yeah. but I have been made pure. I have been made holy. I have been made of the best steel. Yeah. I'm unbreakable right now. And so there's nothing this mountain can throw at me that I cannot endure. But I'm here to tell you, your mountain is not there to break you. Your mountain is not there to destroy you. But your mountain is there to bring something to you. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But that's something you're going to get from your mountain. But the most important thing is when you're headed toward your mountain, you have to know what is a mountain and what is fire. You have to be able to identify the difference. And the only way you're going to know what's a mountain, what's your mountain, as opposed to what is fire, is that you know your mountain. You can't just, you can't just uh, see the mountain, but you have to know this mountain is for me. Why is this mountain for me? What is it that the Father wants to get out of me in this mountain? What is it that the Father wants to do for me with this mountain? There's a glory that he wants to share with you when you conquer this mountain. See, your mountain don't come from him. Your mountain come from the things that you dared to dream. See, y'all don't want to hear that. I'd have dreamed like this. So when I got to my mountain, I would have just stepped over it. You know? (laughs) But he said, he said, ask me. Anything you dare to think of, you dare to dream, ask me. And I can do above and beyond all that you can ask, even what you can't imagine. How did you dare to imagine yourself? How did you dare to see yourself? And I don't believe there's anybody here that has ever desired to see themselves mealy and poor. But I have always dared to dream and see myself so much more than I am even now. There's something that I have dreamed that's bigger than me right now. And guess what I've done because I dared to dream, because I dared to believe there's a God that's greater than me. I have created a mountain. And my mountain ain't for my destruction. It's to cause me to rise to the place that he desired for me. Come on, somebody. I I really need you to get that. I really need you to understand that. The mountain you see that's this big right now, because you're so far away from it, it's not there to discourage you and to say, well, I'm going to walk real slow because I ain't ready to go to that mountain. (laughs) But I'm going to walk carefully. 
and I'm going to pick up every tool that I need on my way to my mountain. So when I get to my mountain and it's full of my dreams and it's full of my desires, it's full of the things that the Father has designed for me because I dared to dream them, because I dared to ask them. Ooh, I dream big. That's a big old mountain. Guess what? I'm ready to climb it. And as I begin to climb it, it ain't going to be fast. It won't even be easy, even though it's my mountain. I won't even, no matter how much I prepare for it, I won't always have all the resources that I need. But as long as that lampstand, as long as his words, as long as his eyes are in every place, as long as that oil that has been poured into that lampstand is endless, not by might, not by power, but by his grace. That's nothing I do that causes me to deserve the things that I dreamed about. There's nothing I do that causes me to be worthy to become the things that I have set before me. But because he loves me and he knows the desires of my heart, you want to know why? Because he shares my desires. I don't desire anything that's good for me that he hadn't shared. He don't share with me. You know, you see yourself being that great business person. And he shares that dream with you. He said, boy, yes, sir, I can imagine you doing that. Oh, I can imagine how you can enhance the kingdom with that. Man, I would love to see you get there. He ain't a genie. He ain't going to twinkle his nose or snap his finger. And it happens no matter how good it is. But he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set you up on the path and I'm going to show you the mountain. And I need you to walk this way. Not only that, but I'm going to yoke up with you. And so every time you get off course, I'm going to nudge you back. And we're going to walk this thing. We're going to endure this thing together because why? You and I, we are equally yoked. I ain't going to carry this burden for you. But I'm going to make this burden real light and easy. I'm going to make it doable for you according to your ability. So you may be dragging alone and somebody might be moving along, but it's according to your ability. Who knows what that ability is? Maybe you need something they don't need and you never know. You might get to the next place and they drag it along and you cruise it along because you may not need that like they need it. So never judge. Look at somebody and say, they think they something. Now you're griping. You're so busy looking at them and griping, you can't see what you need to see to get out of what you need in order to be that person. It's important that we know this, all right? So the mountain was created for you by you. (laughs) I love that. Man. All right, so here we go. Let's do this quickly and I'm going to wrap it up. Zerubbabel was the governor of the town where the temple needed to be built, right? And Zechariah showed Zerubbabel and encouraged him to let him know that everything you need will be supplied to you. Everything, it even said that Zerubbabel, whatever you put your hands to, 
you will be, you will complete. Why? Because I am your source. In other words, the father said, I am your source. Everything you need, I will supply for you. As long as you continue. And there's even the scripture there that says, you know, that the eyes, those seven eyes, and the angels in the heavens rejoiced because they saw Zerubbabel with the plumb line in his hand. And if you don't know what a plumb line is, a plumb line is kind of like a measuring tool. It not only makes, it's not just a measuring tool, but it makes sure that, makes sure that whatever you're, you're setting up is level. It has a weight on the end of it with the, with the tip, and, um, and you hold it up. And I've been, you know, I used to think that only um, carpenters use that. But you know, mechanics use that as well. You know, when they're setting up brakes and stuff like that and different rotors on cars, they'll take that plumb line and they're setting up, you know, the framing and cost. You know, they're building cars that are worth fifty dollars and $60,000. So that thing has to be right. So they'll take a plumb line and they'll hold it up against that car or whatever it is and they'll let it drop down and they'll line that rotor with that line so that it's perfectly in place. And so the heavens rejoice every time you pick up a plumb line and you begin to move toward the thing that Father has designed for you. They rejoice. Oh, my son has that plumb line. My son's going to get this right. My daughter going to set this thing up. The earth that have not seen anything like this because she got the plumb line. And, and with that, that plumb line, we have to embrace the small beginnings. Sometimes it seems like the things that we're doing amounts to nothing. But those are the things that are behind the wall that we do not see. If I, don't, if I just take them pipes and just glue them together and stick them in there and say, well, I adjust it when the saint gets here. Not going to happen. A carpenter, a real carpenter, a careful carpenter knows exactly where that sink is going to fit before the sink even gets there. They know what sink I'm going to use. Hey, I'm, this is the sink I'm going to get. Am I right, Chris? That's my brother right there. He's a carpenter. Oh, this is the sink we're going to use? Okay. We go get our measuring tape. We measure how tall that thing is. We measure it. Not only that, a lot of times, we are smart enough, if you're not a company, you, you're usually smart enough to know, oh, I, I need to know how tall my, tank is, my sink is. I need to know how wide it is. Right? And we measure that, and we go and put those measurements on the wall, but then when we come and set the sink, it ain't right. And you're thinking... I measured that. I made sure I measured that. And I don't understand why it's not right. But see, a carpenter knows, and I just know from watching DIY. <laughs> but a carpenter knows, I got to measure the floor that's going under this thing. You know what I'm saying? So I got to put that three-quarter inch of flooring that's going down there as well. And then I got to measure from the wall. I got to know that three-quarter inch that's coming from the drywall itself. And when I put that spackle on there, I'm going to give it another eighth inch. When I put that tile on there, I know how thick my tile is. So I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do the math and I'm going to know exactly yeah. what that thing is. And see me, I like even numbers. 
So when I measure something, I want it to come out to either be what it is in a half or a quarter. I don't want to deal with the eighth and the sixteenth and all those things. So now you're starting to bother me. So when you start to get the sixteenth, I say, I could push it that much. <laughs> I can force it in there. But the carpenter knows all the way down to that 32nd. Say, oh, yeah, that's the 32nd right there. And he sets it up, and then he knows that hole needs to be this wide. And so when he takes the time, when, he, when they take the time and they do not forget or they do not uh, despise the small things, when that water, when that, uh, I'm about to say water heater, but when that, when that sink comes in and you set it there, and guess what? It just slides into place. It's right there. Because I took the time to measure my plumbing. I took the time to measure how high that needs to be. I knew the angle or the drain. I knew the vent. Come on, somebody. It will take you months and days upon days to get it right. But when you do not despise the small thing, when you do not overlook that 32nd of an inch, and you make sure that every part of it is accounted for. And you remove all the mess. You ain't saying nothing. You just stripped it all out. And you made room for your mountain. Woo. When it all comes together, there's a satisfaction, there's a glory that comes. And here's the last thing I want to say. The capstone. Let me go to that. Let me read that. Can you put that on uh, Zechariah up for me? Uh, Zechariah 4. Let's go back to that. And I want to go down to probably about, I think it's close to the uh, 14th verse. Let's look at that one. And it talks about the capstone. Oh, maybe I'm missing it. But it's in there, I promise you. But it's at the end of it where he says, Oh, great mountain, before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone or the capstone and amid shouts of grace and grace to it. But let me tell you something. There's something about that capstone, if you ever built the gate and there's a capstone that symbolizes the completion of that, of that gate, of that fence, you put that little piece that sits on the top that hides the ugly stuff and it, and it sits there and now it's beautiful, right? But if you don't take the time to measure that 32nd or that 16th or if you write through the small days when the Father places the capstone on top of the foundation in which you built, it will crush you. It will kill you. What was meant to be glorious to you, what was meant to signify this is done, this is a completed work, when he sets it there, because he ain't going to put no little bitty thing on there. But when he sets the capstone on that work, then you come to here and say, yeah, it's done, God, it's done. And he sets that capstone on it, and it crumbles. 
because you didn't take the time to measure every inch every millimeter you didn't take the time to make sure that thing was centered perfectly with your plumb line you, you used your plumb line yesterday but you didn't use it the day before or you didn't use it the next day you just eyed it oh that looked pretty straight to me and when he places that capstone on it if you don't have it right it's going to crumble it's going to fall and it's going to crush everything and you that you have built so the capstone you better know it it has weight it has power it has authority it bears the burden of the glory of the father it bears the burden and it shows and demonstrates how hard and how meticulous you were you can always see it you can feel it you can taste it and that capstone the icing on the cake if you didn't make that cake right and you put the icing on it it's just a cake a bad cake with icing on it but if you took your time cause see one thing I know about baking I don't do a lot of it but I know if I don't do it just like the recipe calls for it to be done that cake ain't, that cake ain't gonna taste good it's gonna be horrible it's gonna be too salty it's not gonna rise enough it's gonna be too doughy you know it's just not gonna sit right and I don't care how much icing I put on it it ain't gonna taste good but if I take my time even in my mixing I made a white cake one time for my wife and I really took my time and I mixed that thing up and I mixed it and when I was reading the directions it said don't over mix you gotta mix it make sure it's mixed good and well but don't over mix and then you get nervous because you wonder is it mixed well enough and at what point is it overweight is it overweight? you know and so you mix that and I mixed that cake and I took my time and I had to use my judgment to say I think that's well enough and I baked that cake probably the best cake I ever made in my life probably the only cake I ever made in my life <laughs> but it was right so when I put the icing on it the icing or the capstone was in addition to what I had accomplished because I took my time to put it all together so don't let the capstone crush you because you despise small things when you see your mountain know that that mountain is there because you dare to dream what you dream you dare to ask the father about the things for the things that you imagine you dare to say this is what I want to be and he said okay I'm going to create this mountain for you but here's the journey you have to walk and he sets it there and then he said I'm not going to let you walk it by yourself but I'm going to yoke up with you I'm going to yoke up with you and you're going to learn from me how to walk this walk and I'm going to make this yoke easier I'm going to make this burden light and we're going to make it manageable and I'm going to be your resource so that everything you need you will gain on this journey and I don't know about you 
But I'm more excited to know that there's a father that has designed me to be everything that I've dared to dream to be. There's a father that walks with me, that supplies me, there's a resource to me to allow me to become everything that I dare to imagine. Everything that I dare to hope for. Everything that I ever wanted to be. Woo! I can be that. I am that. Because he showed me my end. Come on, somebody. I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to even talk about the alarm in that. I wanted to say something about it, but I'm going to leave it alone. Woo, but can you see the alarm in that? That the everlasting to everlasting has demonstrated who I was and said it before me. Come on, y'all, y'all, let me stop, let me stop. In the alarm. Woo. My, my future is my past. My present is what I'm preparing for. My present allows me to pre prepare for my mountain. And the future that he shows me really is my past because he said, this is what you are because you dared to dream that. But my now faith allows me to walk toward that and become that. Amen, I'm through. But I love you all. Come on, stand up and let me pray with you. Hallelujah. Yahweh, I thank you right now for these your people that you have that said, I'll go. I thank you for this time that has been created for them because they said, I'll go. I thank you because you have taken the things that we've dreamed and dared to become you have made it a part of our past and you have given me now faith as a substance and as an evidence to become those things that you have already showed me. And not only that, but you yoked with me and you made my burden lighter and you've made it easier and you are teaching me as I walk along this way. Father, I pray that you cause my mind to continue to hear what I've never heard before. That you cause my eyes to see the things I've never seen before. And you cause my feet to walk in depths that's deeper than the place that I'm in right now. In your son Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. Come on and get a Lord of God.